This podcast is brought to you by Dingle Mount Church. It will open up God's Word to you, inspire you to love God, and grow in the knowledge of Him, and challenge you to live a victorious Christian life. Be blessed as you listen. Book of Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll read just one verse of scripture. And don't forget the theme that we've been looking at. And um, that is um, understanding the things that matter. So hopefully that should... We have one more to go next Sunday. And that will be the end of that um, theme. The series that we'll be looking at under that broad heading. Understanding the things that matter. So we'll read Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll read verse 29. And there will be other scriptures as we go on that will help us to see... Uh, what God is trying to get across to us. He says there, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, mark that word edification, he says that it may impart grace to the hearers. I'll read that again. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And Lord, we just ask, that you will bless this word into our heart this morning as we seek to understand the things that really do matter to you that will help us not just to draw closer to you but to build up one another as we gather together in fellowship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So for maybe one or two that are just joining us, we've been going through this series of lessons and uh, what we are looking at is understanding the things that matter and the things that matter not just to us, but also that matter more to God. I remember saying to us that sometimes the things that we think that matter to us uh, actually doesn't matter that much to God. And what God says is more important, that's what we ought to be listening to and doing them. If you remember in the first lesson, we talked about the future, and we said that the future matters a lot to God. And God is interested in our spiritual future also as he is interested in the life that we are living now. And we also looked at another lesson and we said that doing the Lord's business is also very important to him. And that one really spoke to me. And it's about using the gifts and the talents and the opportunities that we have to do the work that God has called us to do. So if we come to church, uh, God is not so much interested in us just coming and gathering every Sunday, but He is interested in you using whatever gift or talent that God has given you for the furtherance of His kingdom. So at the end of time, you can look back and say to yourself, you have truly used what God has given you. We are not called to be like that servant who dug a hole and hid his talent and said to his master, that's what you gave me. You can have it back. But we saw that he was condemned for that. And that's not what we are called as Christians to do. And then in the next lesson that we did look at, you remember we also saw that evangelizing and reaching out to souls matter a lot to God. And we saw this in the early church. That was their all-consuming passion. Everything they did was about souls. Whether they gathered together, whether they spoke to one another, it was about ways. How can we share the gospel? How can we reach out to a generation that is opposed to the gospel that they have been called to preach? So not only are we talking about future, doing the Lord's business, evangelizing, reaching out. 
It's so easy to look around us or maybe uh, churches today and say, well, uh, where are the souls? People are not interested in church anymore. But that's for the unbeliever. But for us as Christians, we are the ones that God has given that charge to tell people. And that's all God is asking us to do in different ways. The way you may preach it is different from the way I will present it. And there are different creative ways that people are talking about Jesus Christ. As long as we are in contact with people, we always have to remind them that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And that is the only letter people can read when they come to see us. So for to, uh, this morning's uh, lesson, we've read the scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. And I think that this is another thing that does matter to God for us as Christians as we gather together. And that is edifying one another. Edifying one another. Now that sounds like a big word when you hear that word edification. And it's a word that you hear a lot, especially in evangelical circles, when we talk about edification. And it sounds very spiritual. What is edification? It's just like in evangelical circles, you have a lot of terms that are being used. And sometimes you wonder, what does it actually mean? And this is one of those words that um, when you meet a brother, you say, be edified. Or when we come together to church, we say, we are coming to fellowship to edify one another. But have you taken time to ask yourself, what does it really mean to edify one another? And why does it matter to God? And when I went into the scriptures, what I found out is, is actually one of the reasons why God brings us together. Apart from us knowing about our future and our future we have in Christ, apart from doing the Lord's business as God has called us to do it, apart from evangelizing and reaching out to, to others and telling them about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, do you know we are called to edify one another? Actually, the Greek term of that word edification simply means build, build the house. Build the house. And if you go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, Jesus used that word literally in that uh, Matthew chapter when he was talking about, um, made that popular statement that we know in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he says, I will liken him to a man who built his house on the rock. And you see Jesus talking about building a house on the rock. That word builds, they are building. And that is the literal, basically, translation of that word edification, or which simply means, in, in the literal sense, just to build, when you're building something up. And so we get excited, naturally, about buildings, because we see when you're putting brick upon brick, at the end, something comes out, and that is a building. But the New Testament, however, is much more concerned about building people than building bricks or putting bricks and uh, mortar together or you having a physical structure. And, and I wondered why the emphasis in the New Testament was more on people than on structure. And you're going to be seen because in the body of Christ we are called to edify one another and that simply means to build up one another in the same way you put brick upon brick until you see a structure appear. That's how God has called us to help and to build up one, one another. It's sad to say this because when a church doesn't function according to the pattern of the word of God, as we have in scripture, it can be one of the most, I would say, devastating or destructive places anybody can find themselves in. The place that is meant to be a place of edification and building up then becomes a place for destruction 
where lives are ruined. I'm sure sometimes when you hear over the news the abuse that are going in some churches or maybe among the clergy in some circles, you wonder that is this not meant to be a place of edification where lives are meant to be put together, built up and nurtured. And so if the word of God is abandoned and we fail to see that this means a lot to God, that we are called as believers to edify, to build up in the same way we put brick upon brick and a structure appears, we are called to build up our brothers. So if a church fails to realize that, the church becomes not a constructive place to be in, but a destructive place to be in. And you remember one of the most important statements from the lips of Jesus, if you uh, go to, that is found in Matthew chapter 16. I will just uh, show us that quickly. Matthew chapter 16, and this is in verse 18, when he was talking about, I think, building the church. Uh, Matthew chapter uh, 16, and um, verse 18. Uh, uh, Jesus said there, and I also say to you that you are Peter. He says, and on this rock, I will build my church. When Jesus Christ said he will build his church, he's not talking about building a cathedral, as we have one in the city here. He's not talking about a physical structure. I will build my church. What is he building? Jesus Christ wasn't uh, bidding go to school to study architectural design. So what was he talking about? I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He wasn't talking about some brick and stone structure that was going to be put up. No, he was talking about the worldwide body of believers. And so if he says, I will build my church, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. And so when we come into that church or become part of the body of Christ or the church, then that is what we as believers as well are called to do. Because from the outside, the body of the, the church is built up when we talk to people about Christ and we bring them into the church. Then from, then from the inside, what we are called to do is now to edify them and build them up. So there are two things going on. On the outside, we are talking about Jesus, trying to get them into the church. And then when they come into the church, that's when we are now called to begin to baptize them, instruct them in the nurture of in the things of the Lord, and then see them get built up. So on the outside, that's how the church is uh, built, and then but on the inside, believers are called to encourage and to build up one another. Let, let's face it: we are, we are here. We know that when you go out there in the world, there's a lot out there that tears us down. That in a whole week, you can live your life a whole week out there in the world and you feel that you've been hit on so many fronts. Things have been said and you, you, sometimes you go back home and you wonder what kind of a world are we living in. But then when we come together, what God is saying to us is, yes, you've had all that experience in the world. You've dealt with people who don't know me, who don't even serve God or who don't even go to church. But then when the believers gather, God is saying, all those hurts, all those things that you've encountered, they can be healed. The believers, the body, those that God has brought you in contact with, are made to, are supposed to bring real healing to your soul. And that's why I say that a church can be the most destructive place to be in if we fail to see this. Because don't forget, people have been hurt on the outside. People have had experiences. The world have battered and they've gone through experiences. And then they come in to get built. And instead of getting built, they are pulled down. They are destroyed. And their lives are being shattered. And that's why God is calling us to remember that we are not just the church. 
but we ought to build up one another. There's a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, and I love the way Peter uh, paints that picture. I think we used this scripture in our Thursday Bible study. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, and you can see Peter reinforcing that statement that I've just made to us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. And Peter's saying to them, You also, as living stones, are being built up, can you see that? A spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You also. He wasn't talking about the physical structure. You are that stone. I am that stone. And as we come together, something is happening. He says, you're building up a spiritual house. You're going to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. And that tells us that we are the structure, we are the building, we are the living entity that spans time and generation as God has called us to worship together with Him. But for us to leave this place this morning knowing truly that we have understood what edification is all about. There are a few scriptures and some of them I'm just going to explain them carefully so that we understand what edification is all about. Because like I said, it's a word that you hear and you wonder, but how do I edify my brother? How can I live out what the scripture is calling me to do? Yes, I know that you're a stone. We all are come together, built up as a spiritual house, but how can we do that on a one-on-one basis? But I'm going to tell us what edification is from scripture and from other uh, examples that we have in scripture. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, and you will see what the Bible is saying to us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. In Ephesians 4:29, he says there, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But what is good, he says, for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. You can see what edification is doing there, imparting grace to the hearers. So the first thing we need to understand about edification is that it is not about you, it's about God's people. Edification is not because it's easy for me to come to church and say, well, I'm just here to get healed and get some, to receive the word of God and that is what it's all about. But that is not edification. Edification is about God's people. Every single one of us. As he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You can see he's not laying the emphasis on you. But he says that it will impart grace to the hearers. And who are the hearers? The others that gather together. Those that come together. And we are called to stop looking inwards and begin to think about our hearers. Those that God has brought us in contact with. And we are called to speak words that will build them up. So it's not about you per se, but it's about God's people. And when I was thinking about this scripture, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And there are so many ways this can happen, that words can tear down and destroy. I read about um, a little funny illustration about um, a preacher uh, who felt that the best thing that he could do after every Sunday service was to throw it open to his congregation to ask them how his sermon, how he's done in his sermon. And as a preacher, that's a dangerous thing to do, really. And so he tried it, and at the end of the service, an old man walked up to him and said to him, well, you said you need an honest opinion about the sermon, don't you? The man said yes. And he told him, I said, there are three things I need to tell you about this morning's sermon. He said, number one, you read your sermon. 
Number two, you didn't read it very well. And number three, it wasn't even worth reading in the first place. And, and, and you can imagine the impact that would have had on that uh, preacher. And sometimes, you know, we never forget critical comments and remarks. And so we may think that, well, I've just said it, I'm being honest. But in reality, what he had done, it has torn down and destroyed the heart. And, and in terms of maybe discouragement, those words begin to play back in the mind. And that is what happens. And so when the Bible is talking about communication, the Bible knows the power of words. The Bible knows what it can do. The Bible knows what can happen when we don't use it effectively. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and you'll see what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 23 and 24 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 23. And this is a principle that Paul gives us and which is very important. He said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but he says, but all things do not edify. So I'm free to do anything, I'm free to say some things, but there are things that don't just edify. 24, verse 24, it says, let no one seek his own. You see, that's why he said edification is not about you, but he says, but each one, the other's well-being. Have you thought about the kind of church that we can have if every one of us, we come to church... And the primary concern is about each other's well-being. And not just about me, about what I want and about what I must insist on getting, but about each other's well-being. And that is the spirit of the New Testament. That is what God is calling us to do. So edification is not about you, but about God's people, about others, about how we encourage one another about being careful with the things that we say that divide and that kill the spirit of those that God has brought us. And that really does matter to God. Let's look at another scripture in Romans 14. And there we see the second, what the edification is as well. In Romans chapter 14, and you see a scripture in Romans uh, chapter 14, and this is from verses um, 19 of Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, look at what the Bible says from verse 19. It says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which one may edify another. And verse 20 says, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed pure. But it is evil for the man who eats with offense. But verse 19 is the key emphasis there. That word pursue, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may defy another. So edification is not what you profess with your mouth, but rather it is what you pursue or what you go after. It's just not going to come to us. You don't wake up one morning and this thing comes over you and you're just going about it, find everybody. It doesn't happen. Naturally speaking, we always think about ourselves. We always think about what will make us good. But to edify others, to put others first, to think about what will make them become the person that God wants them to be, Paul is saying it is something that you pursue. It is something that you go after. What that simply means is you make every effort to do what it takes for you to edify 
your brother. In other words, we have to do it intentionally. If not, it's never going to happen. Like I said, there are times when you know you want to do something that will not edify your brother. And you know in your heart that that is your natural inclination. But what you do is because the Bible has called us to pursue it, you're thinking differently. Your, your reasoning is changing. You're saying, but no, if I do this, will it help the church of God? If I do this, will it build up the work that God has started in this place? If I do this, how will it impact on the others? And that is why God is calling us to think again, think again. So building up people is something that we have to work at. It's never, ever easy. It's never easy. It's something that the Spirit of God helps us work with us and gives us the opportunity to do them. And sometimes the best place to start is on our knees. You wake up in the morning and as you're praying or whatever, how you pray, it's good to always speak to God in your heart. God, help me. Give me that opportunity to edify someone today. Help me. Make me a channel of your peace. Not a channel of hatred and resentment and anger and revenge. But make me, Lord, a channel of your peace. And when people come in contact with you or come in contact with us, that is what they will see. That is what God would have us to do. So it's not something we talk about in our mouth. We can say it as long as we want, but as long as we are not intentionally pursuing it and trying to do it, we will never come to that point where edification is truly happening in our midst. Another scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and this is a well-known scripture, but this will show the third thing about what edification is. In 1 Corinthians chapter um, 8, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 8, if you look at um, where Paul was talking about being sensitive to conscience, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and this is a scripture we quote it a lot, but it means something when you're trying to edify your brother. Look at verse 1. It says, Now concerning things offered to idols, he said, We know that we all have knowledge. We have knowledge, people know their rights. And sometimes you can't judge them because of their right. But look at what it says. Knowledge pops up. But what edifies? It's a love edifies. So when we are talking about edification, it's not so much of how much you know. It's about how much you care. And that is what edification is all about. Like I said, the first one is not about what you profess, but it's about what you go after, how intentional you're trying to make it happen. But then you see another scripture that tells us that it is actually love that edifies. Knowledge pops up, as the scripture says. So edification isn't about how much you know or about how smart you are. It's not about how many courses you've taken or how you know more than everybody else. You know, it's so easy for a preacher, even you see this even amongst preachers of the gospel, when you maybe go to in a conference or something and you're sitting with other ministers and all that and you're having a normal conversation with them and the first thing they'll ask you, so where did you train and all of that, you can see taking pride in maybe I went to this school, this is where I got my theological and all, and even, and all that coming out and sometimes church members may not even care. You can have all the degree in the world. People don't care. And I remember my mentor saying this to me years ago, even when I, when I just got into ministry. He said, people don't care so much about what you know, but they, what they want to know is how much you care. And when they know you care, that's when they give attention to what you know. And for us, that is what God is saying to us. Knowledge pops up 
And we know how much we resent people who try to show us that they know everything. And that is what they defies the body of Christ. What they defies is the love that we have for one another. We are not called to show each other how much I know more than you or how much maybe Richard knows more than everybody in the church or how much I know more than anybody or how much you know more than anybody. You may have that knowledge. You may know what your rights are. But what will they defy? What will strengthen? What will build him up? What will build me up? Is the love that I have for you. That tells me that edification actually starts in the heart. It doesn't start in the head. If I'm thinking that this is where it starts, it's based on what I know that will edify you. That's not true. It will start from my heart. And until I have the right heart and right attitude towards you as a brother or as a sister, and love you just the way you are, I will never be in a position to edify you. So it's not about what you know, how much you know, but it's about how much you care. Look at a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'll read just from verses 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul, he he says there, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others do, see what he's saying? Some others do this. As some others do, a pieces of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. He says, you are our epistle written in our hearts. He says, known and read by all men. You are manifestly an epistle of Christ ministered by us. Written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. He says, not on the tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh that is of the heart. And verse 5 says, and we have sought trust through Christ towards you. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Do you see how humble the spirit that this man is speaking with? It's not about us. We're not sufficient in ourselves. We know Paul was quite a knowledgeable man and he, I mean, he was well trained and all that. But he says that is not what it is. But everything is about Christ. Everything that we do, our sufficiency, that is where it is, is from God. And he loved the church and ministered and cared for that church. So it's not about how much you know, but about how much you do care. And when we begin to show that care, we will see how that will impact on the life of others. Another scripture in 1 Corinthians, and these are scriptures that actually show us what edification is. I'll just give us that and another one and then we would uh, go into the communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, this is Paul speaking about spiritual gifts. And look at um, verses um, 1 to 2, where he says again there, Pursue love, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, and we've talked about love, and desire spiritual gifts. It's good to have love, but go after it, spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. But verse 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For, for no one understands him, however in the spirit he speaks mysteries. He's talking about spiritual gifts. But then when you go to verse 26, and you see what he says in verse 26, he says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together? He says, Each one of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, revelation, and interpretation. He says, let all things be done for edification. 
So Paul recognized that in a church you can have people with different gifts, diverse gifts. But all he's saying is edification is not about your gift. But it's about the end product, which is the goal that you set for yourself for the gift, which is edification. Because the reason why God gives us gifts, as Paul says, is for edification. Whether you have a revelation or a tongue or whatever it is, it is for us to build up one another. And so that is the goal, edification. But if we concentrate more on the gift, I have a gift of revelation, I have a gift of prophecy, I have a gift of this, you discover that the very gift that is meant to edify us will be the gift that will destroy and will hurt each one of us. And that's why Paul is very careful to let them know it's not about your gifts. Because sometimes, actually, <laughs> like someone once said, that the people that actually cause the most problem in church are the seemingly gifted ones. Because the ones who haven't got much gifting are just there, where we are just here to worship God, to serve Him, and that is it. But it is the so-called gifted ones, the ones who feel we know what God has given to us and we want to use it. Let everyone see that we are highly gifted. And then those gifts become a tool of destruction. So Paul says, it's not about your gift. It's about the goal that you set for yourself, which is edification. So whatever gift you have, you can use that gift and say to yourself, this gift is for edification. If I've got a psalm, I've got a word from the Lord, whatever it is that God has given you, you're saying to yourself, it is to build up my fellow brother and my sister. It's not about gifts but about edification. And finally, let's look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. And this is the last scripture for this morning. And what you see in Acts chapter 20 was when Paul was about to leave the Christians in his emotional speech that he gave to them. And you see what happens in verse 32 of Acts chapter 20. Because Paul went into this speech and was speaking to them. And sometimes you wonder, how are we going to get edified? What's the source? Where will this come from? And in Acts chapter 20, look at verse 32. And it's like a prayer that he was praying for them. He says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word, look at that, the word of his grace. And what is that word able to do? He says, which is able to build you up. That word builds you up is edification which is able to build you up and then give you an inheritance among all those, he says, who are sanctified. So if you're wondering where to start, so edification is not about your wisdom. You can never edify anyone with your own natural wisdom, but it's about God's word. And Paul knew it, and as Paul was speaking to these church leaders, whom he was going to leave to take over and do things, Paul was saying to them, I'm going to commend you. To not just God, but to his word. And that word is able to build you up. So if as a preacher, I come up here every morning and all I do is share my wisdom, whatever wisdom it is, it will never and have the ability to build anyone up. In the same way, when you are trying to build up someone in the body of Christ, and all you do is share your natural wisdom, that is not sufficient in itself. But it's the word of God that builds up. When you go into the scripture... Whatever thing they come up with, whatever situation you're faced, we are asking ourselves, what does the word of God have to say? Have God said anything about this situation? How do we handle it? And Paul says to them, 
That's what the word of God will do. And I love, I love that description. It says, word of his grace. Which is able, it has that ability to build you up. And not just build you up, but then give you an inheritance among those that are sanctified. And which is a wonderful scripture to close with. Because when we come into the scriptures, every single week as we study it and we look at it on a Thursday, we're actually building ourselves up. And that's why sometimes we need to, as Christians, take the word of God very seriously. Embrace it with the whole of our hearts. No matter what anyone says, it will never stand the test of time. What will stand the test of time or what will build us up and edify us is the word of God. That God has given us in scripture and that which we share when we meet with one another, either in songs or hymns, in whatever format it takes, that is what builds up up. So what matters to God? It's edifying one another. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Like they said, no man is an island. I can never accomplish what God has called me to do without you. In the same way, you can never become accomplished your spiritual purpose without the fellowship of the brothers. And I pray that God will bless these words into our hearts. Shall we just bow our hearts for a few seconds and reflect on these things that we've heard this morning? If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, why not join us in worship at the Dingle Mount Church or log on to our website at www.dinglemount.org for more information. Thank you for listening.